everybody. It's the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through the cracks. I'm not the only crack in this show, of course. Craig Moorhead, co-crack. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, cracking up over here at hmm. uh, Moorhead HQ, where we are uh, doing the best we can with what we've got. How about you, Sean? Ooh, that's a sharp turn from you know the last couple of weeks. I'm great. Mm. Great. It's Craig Moorhead. Yeah. I'm great. Craig, great Moorhead. Is there something you want to tell us? Nope. Just uh, just downgrading into another groove. Taking it from like, you know, fourth down into third. You know what I mean? Just just mm-hmm. cruising, cruising along. Trying not to fly too close to the sun or too close to, you know, the opposite of the sun. The moon. Sure. Both equals death. Yeah. Neither one sounds like it's going to be good. Okay. Uh, Craig, Craig, Craig. Mm. I want to start by thanking everyone for listening. It's nice to know you're there and keeping up. And some of you have been throwing some suggestions, both comical and not comical, on Twitter lately. I appreciate that. Yes. And uh, speaking of Twitter, you want to tell people where else they can find us online? Absolutely. Uh, as Sean said, you can find us at Twitter at Never Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, also at Never Podcast, and Instagram at NHOIT Podcast. That's just NHOIT Podcast. All those letters are all just. All together. Uh, no underscores, no hyphens, certainly no hash marks. Uh, sorry, mm. certainly no hashtags. That's what that's what the kids call them. <laughs> yeah. You can find the podcast. Number signs. They use that a lot. They say number, number signs. Number signs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Pounds. You can find the podcast itself, the actual episodes, you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If not more, there's probably even more. More than we've even ever heard of. So wherever you're listening to it, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, if you're so moved by one of our super emotional episodes, uh, if you could subscribe and leave a review, that would really help out uh, people looking for a podcast just like this one. Someone just like you. But uh, that's Hmm. all I've got in terms of how to find us, Sean. What have you got in terms of how to find the rest of this episode. Well, I think it's called Flipping the Calendar to the Month of September. Oh. Can you believe it, Craig? I can't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's been a long year, I think, for all of us, one way or another. And uh, I'm actually a little um, uh, happy, honestly, to know that we're getting so close to the end of the year just because I feel like it's getting us closer and closer to uh, a better place for all of us. So um, yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy about it being September. It's chilly outside. I hope. Man, that was so well said. I really think we can just cut it out <laughs> and paste it into the October, November, and December. Oh yeah, episodes. Yeah, we'll have to change you know a word or two here and there. Maybe. Uh, hopefully, you know. Yeah. Not change too much, but no, you're right. It it is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the day that we're recording this is the eve of my daughter. Going back into a school for the first time since March, I will be teaching at University of North Carolina School of the Arts, School of Filmmaking, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. virtually this week, beginning on Tuesday. So, yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't quite feel like, uh, you know, I'm not not really in the back-to-school mindset yet. It still feels like summer is kicking along here. I think they moved up the dates in both both instances a little early this year, and I understand why, but uh, here we are. It's crazy. Yeah, by the time people are listening to this, for sure, school in some form or fashion will be happening that is absolutely crazy it does feel like we didn't get a summer so Mm. you're kind of waiting for summer to start in a way and then then here's school (laughs) yes and uh i will cry myself to sleep tonight on that (laughs) 
very notion, Craig. Thank Indeed. you. No, it'll be interesting and interesting, and, and I hope everybody has a, uh, a happy, healthy return to whatever form of school they are, are doing. Indeed. And I mean that in all forms and fashion because God knows the mental health of uh, homeschooling also plays a part into a lot of our discussions and uh, choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. Yes, indeed. Okay, well, all of that aside, let's talk about movies. That's what we're here for, and I'm excited about it. You came to me after I said, you know what? We haven't done any 90s movies in a while, it feels like. Have we done any 90s movies in a while? We haven't done any 90s movies in a while. And bam, you had like a list within <laughs> seconds. That's right. And I'm like, I've, I've never heard of any of these, for the love of God. And they all sound awesome. So we're going to do two this month, maybe some more by the end of the year. And we're going to start with one called In the Soup. That's soup with an S, not soup with two Ps. Mm-hmm. Um and this is from 1992. I always feel like I want to go public enemy style when I was 1990. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way to um, say I'm not going to do that. It's rated R. It's an hour and a half. It's a comedy drama that IMDb tells us is about a neurotic nebbish who lives in two worlds. Two worlds, Craig, not one. Yeah. I can the remember. fantasy of winning his dream girl via a hit movie and the meager existence he scrapes out from very odd jobs such as thesping in an arty dot, 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 click full summary. Uh, no budget flick. Mm-hmm. There's like six more sentences to this log line, so I'm going to cut it there. Cause, <laughs> it's very um, complex. Yeah, I don't know. The rest of it is probably not going to be true. We'll see. This is IMDb we're talking about here. No, but what I'm excited about, Craig, mm. uh, aside from what you're going to talk about, is, yeah, I think this is an early 90s indie film, which is kind of, dare I say, a little bit of our bread and butter from film school days, for sure. Indeed. And it's about making movies. So sometimes those don't turn out as good. No. It's, it's hard to make a movie about making movies. We've discussed this before, I feel for like. Sure. And there's some notable exceptions. And... This movie got some very, very positive early reviews, which I'm going to talk about. And then things took a slight, if not significant, left turn. So before we get to all of that, let's find out first who made it, Craig. Well, yeah, let's talk about who made this. Uh, I mean, this is, as you're saying, this is the heyday of, of our indie films, you know, really coming into their own. And it did seem like there were quite a few that really wanted to turn the camera on themselves, you know, just would, what's more interesting than a movie about me trying to make a movie? And uh, Nothing. That's the answer to I that. I guess that is the only answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased that this one has good notices. It's got a lot of great people in it. But as someone who enjoys the whole film industry world and movies set in, in that realm, I do have to say sometimes uh, the last thing I want to do is watch a movie about someone trying to make a movie. But in this case, with this cast, and uh, especially the director who, I honestly don't know if I've ever sat down and watched a movie by Alexander Rockwell, who's our director. But uh, man, I mean, I, he was one of the big names on the scene in the early 90s, as I remember. Oh, he, yeah. he made a big yep. splash. So here's the deal. It's in the soup. It's directed by Alexander uh, Rockwell. And you know what I didn't look up? Is if it was Alexander or Alexandra. But it's got to be Alexander, right? I'm going to go with Alex. Yes, I think it's Alexander. Yeah. I, I mean, know it's... his grandfather, which I'll talk about in a little bit, is Russian. And I, right. I don't think they've said Alexandria. No. So even though it's spelled R before E at the end right. there, I think it's Alexander. So Alex Rockwell also directed for the Four Rooms segment, The Wrong Man. 
He directed a film called Pete Smalls is Dead with a pre-Game of Thrones Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Uh, also a movie that IMDb says was, was released on February 24th of this year called Sweet Thing. So uh, Alex is still still in the running. Uh, if you like this, you got, uh, you know, luckily you've got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, the movie's written by Rockwell. He had uh, writing credit on it. He's written on pretty much everything he's directed. Uh, and also written by Solace Mitchell, uh, who in this case was writing as Tim Cassell. Weird, right? I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I see that too, but that's a weird. I mean. Why the why the pen name? I'm not I'm not yeah. clear on that. Uh, he also wrote a movie called Row Your Boat from 1999. And Sean, we have to put this on a list right now. Listen to this. Okay. Solace wrote and directed it. The movie stars uh, William Forsythe, uh, Bai Ling, and John Bon Jovi. Uh, I don't know if John I'm Bon Jovi. At the poster right now. Yeah, yeah I don't, here he is, right in the front. In 1999, I, I've never heard of this. John mm. Bon Jovi was a known quantity by 1999. I mean, maybe he he had kind of been on a downslope for a little while. I I don't I don't know. I don't know how I didn't know that this existed. <sighs> I know, and there was a period where it was like. Oh yeah, he's he's gonna do some acting. Mm-hmm. He was in U five seventy one. Remember that one? Right, he was in a few things, and Submarine. he got some good notices, as, as I remember. I do too. So, uh, yeah, we might maybe we should watch that. Yeah. Row your boat, nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine is one of the biggest. Anyway, Ugh. years. I have for a whole movies, book on yeah. ninety nine, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my shelf. But anyway, I'll I'll calm down on my fandom of John Bon Jovi. No, you're just living on a prayer. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, we're halfway there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Thank you. Uh, the movie is produced. The movie is produced by Hank Blumenthal, who also uh, produced the movie Strawberry Fields, a 1997 movie that I don't know if you remember, but we watched that at school. I remember seeing that movie at school. It's about a girl sort of revisiting the past of the Japanese internment camps. Uh, and I remember thinking it was, uh, it was very good. It didn't ring a bell, yeah, but uh, um, I did sleep through many a movie oh, in film yeah, school. Sweet I'm Jesus, that's not for afraid sure. to admit. Uh, they can't take away our our grades at this point, right? They won't. No, no, no. Okay, my degree is in a box somewhere, so it's, it's <laughs> right. Good. Uh, also produced by Pascal. Uh, should I look this up? Produced by Pascal Cochateau. 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 Pascal Cochateau. Of course. Now, Pascal also uh, produced You Were Never Really Here, produced the 2005 Assault on Precinct 13, among lots of others. Uh, And we have Jim Stark, uh, who is a big producer, I believe, on the indie scene, also produced the movies Down by Law and Mystery Train, which Mystery Train is a great movie. If you've never seen Mystery Train. I haven't. Oh, man. That's probably my favorite Jarmusch movie. Yeah. Okay. I love that that movie. Uh, Anyway, music by Mater. I, that's it. That's the only name. Mater. Mater? Mater. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Madonna well, it's with a of... D, not a T, sadly. Right, yeah. So it wasn't the truck and cars, unfortunately. No, no, sorry. No. Okay. But, um, yeah, what, what an achievement, if so. But, uh... <laughs> Imagine if the music was by Larry the Cable <laughs> just, Guy. Be it's just honking. <laughs> no, the music is by Mater. Mater also did uh, music for Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And the aforementioned Row Your Boat. So we can hear lots of Mater in our future if we want to. DP is Phil Parmet, possibly Parme. And uh, Phil also shot uh, Grindhouse. The, uh, I guess the entire thing of Grindhouse? It only said Grindhouse. That doesn't huh. make sense. I'm doing this in real time for all our listeners. That's what they demand. Yeah. I think Phil may have, maybe he did shoot the whole thing. Well, tell you what. Look it up, listeners, and enjoy 
the process of research that I didn't do for you. Uh, Phil also shot Four Rooms, uh, also the, I believe the Four Rooms segment of Wrong Man, and also shot the Rob Zombie Halloween. Mm. So Phil has a lot of, seems like sort of gritty, grindhousey movie work and a lot of indie work. So that's what we're looking for uh, uh, at Phil. A versatile gentleman. Editing by Dana Congdon, who uh, also edited Basketball Diaries and The Godfather Part 3. Ooh, fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, didn't have a casting director, but we're going to go right into the cast list. This movie stars Steve Buscemi as Adolfo Rallo. Is this our first Buscemi movie we've done? I think it's the first movie that has actually involved Steve Buscemi. I think so. Yeah. That's too bad, man. It is four seasons in. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty amazing. His cast list uh, is amazing. His his credits list is boy. He he did a lot of work and continues to do a lot of work. Uh, I like the fact his name is Adolfo Rollo, which is mm-hmm. just one of the most indie movie names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, Specifically, nineties indie. Yeah, too, who, right? for for a character who's not straight out of another country. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Adolfo Rollo. Um, yes. But Adolfo, uh, rather Buscemi, uh, you would have also seen him in Reservoir Dogs, Fargo, Boardwalk Empire, played a character named Rickles in an early episode of Miami Vice in 1986. Yeah, well, he played young Don Rickles in that episode. Oh, man, did. yeah. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, it was amazing that Miami Vice sort of did a biopic of Don Rickles, like right in the middle of a season. Yeah. You could get away with that stuff. If you're casting Rickles, I mean, who else are you going to get? Well, Exactly. You know? Next, we have Seymour Cassell, who is a fantastic character actor who you've seen definitely before, even if you're not familiar with his name. He plays the character of Joe. Uh, he had an early role as a character named Boardman in the original Nutty Professor. Uh, Did not know yeah. that. That's fine. He played the a postal clerk, the role of the postal clerk, in the Don Siegel version of The Killers, which I believe was also in the in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, he, he played Mort Weil in Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Played Sam Ketchum in Dick Tracy. Was also in Rushmore. He's been all over the map. Seymour Cassell. You know him, you love him. We've also got Jennifer Beals. You know her, you love her. Uh, she's playing Angelica Pena. Pena? Pena. I think so, yeah. Pena. Well, Jennifer, you have seen in Flashdance. You've also seen her in Four Rooms. Also the Wrong Man segment. She uh, played the bride in the movie The Bride that starred the Sting. I'm sorry, just Sting. <laughs> not the sting just one of yeah. many stings yeah she was she uh starred in that opposite sting her first role ever was in a movie called my bodyguard have you ever seen my bodyguard hmm. it's uh it's matt dylan chris Makepeace. uh ah oh, man what's that guy's name chris Makepeace. yeah that's a real name yeah oh yeah i like it it is uh ruth um ah, bader ginsburg not ruth bader ginsburg <laughs> you bastard uh, from Harold and Maud, Gordon, Ruth Gordon, Ruth Gordon's in it, plays a grandma. No, I don't know anything about this movie. We, we, we might have to find this because I, I deeply love this movie from my childhood okay. and I don't think I've seen it past the year 1984 ever anywhere. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, just more tangents. It's on the list. Okay. Oh God, I love that movie. I want to say there's a, the ball, a Baldwin is in it. Like an, like an, like sure. an older throw Baldwin. throw one of them in. Yeah. Anyway, we've got, uh, Pat Moya. As a character named Dang, which is the main reason I put Pat Moya down here. Pat Moya played the character of Deborah Curtis on Law and Order for three seasons. Boy, we've got Will Patton as Skippy. Yes. Yeah, Will Patton. 
You've seen him in Armageddon, No Way Out, After Hours. You saw him in the 2018 Halloween. We've got uh, Sully Boyard. He's in North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe he is, yeah. He's from Charleston, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we've got Sully Boyar as Old Man. Now, Sully, you would have seen, you definitely saw. If you saw Dog Day Afternoon, you've seen him. He plays the bank manager, Mulvaney. Uh, mm. Also was on Law & Order for like uh, three years as a judge. And next up, we've got Jim Jarmusch as Monty, right? <laughs> and we all know who Jim Jarmusch is. He directed Mystery Train, which everyone has to go check out now. Oh, man, this cast is so great. We've got Carol Kane. Carol Kane. As Barbara, you've seen her in The Princess Bride. You also saw her in Dog Day Afternoon. You saw her in mm-hmm. Last Detail. You saw her in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You've seen her in your comedy dreams. Uh, we've got Stanley Tucci as Gregor. Mm-hmm. Gregoire? Gregoire. Possibly. You've seen Stanley Tucci in Big Night, which is also amazing if you haven't seen that. Great movie. You've seen him in The Imposters. You definitely saw him in Devil Wears Prada because everybody saw Devil Wears Prada. Uh, we've got a, 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 a an actor here named Rockets Red Glare. <laughs> no, I was hoping you were going to say that because yes. that's incredible. Rockets Red Glare uh, as the character of Guy. Rockets Red Glare you would have seen in the movies Big, in After Hours, in Trees Lounge. Rockets was also a bodyguard for the Sex Pistols what? and was accused by some as the actual person who killed uh, Nancy Spungen. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Rockets, Red Glare. Uh, you've got Elizabeth Bracco as Jackie. Also, you saw Elizabeth Bracco in Mystery Train, The Imposters, Analyze This. Debbie Mazar as Susie. You saw Debbie Mazar in Goodfellas. She was a backup dancer for Madonna. You saw her in Singles, Malcolm X. Oh, man, I'm glad that cast Why listened. isn't she? I feel like she should have been a star in some way. You know. I mean, seriously. Right? Seriously. She, she's fantastic. And I, so unique. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's it's like maybe casting folks kind of just never figured out what to do with her. I, you, you're probably 100% right with that. Yeah. But she's just, I mean, and but I think it's a testament to how great she is that, I mean, she has never stopped working. Mm-hmm. Like, she's great. I, I love Debbie Mazar. Uh, I was going to say that the cast list is over, but Sean, it's not. Sam Rockwell <laughs> as Polly. Uh, apparently, there's no relation, by the way, between Sam and Alexander. Uh, but you've seen Sam Rockwell in every movie you love, and you've also you'll also see him in the upcoming untitled Merle Haggard biopic. He's playing Merle what? Haggard. Really? <laughs> I'm excited oh, about that. Wow. Now. Okay. I'm excited for another biopic. Then I thought I was done with him. Yes. Uh, rounding out the cast of In the Soup, Sean, we've got Paul Herman playing the easy rent-a-car clerk. And <laughs> the main reason I put Paul in here is he's another character actor who, as soon as you see his face, you're gonna be like, "Yep." I know that guy. I've seen him in everything. He's in Goodfellas. I tried to find a clip to figure out exactly who he played in it. But when I look at his face, I think Goodfellas. So you'll have hmm. to uh, let me know how that goes for you. And finally, Michael J. Anderson plays Little Man. Michael J. Anderson, you have seen as uh, the man from another place in Twin Peaks. The the little fella who talks backwards and walks backwards. Yes. Can't beat it. I mean, that guy, if it wasn't for 90s indie movies... That guy had an incredible career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. God, just to be the guy in Twin Peaks would have been amazing. But, uh, Sean, I'm not in Twin Peaks. How about you? Oh, I'm not. I wish I was. Mm. And I really try not to make a habit of this, Greg. And I think our 
back episodes would would bear this out. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to add two that you skipped, and I, and Please. just because I was like, oh, I recognize these names, or just was looking at them. Okay, mm-hmm. the first one was James Seamus, also is listed as an associate producer. Oh. And with these indie films like this, it's always producers get added after they get made and get distribution and other like entities come on board. So it's, it's hard to know sure. how much actual producing, but James Seamus, if you don't know, I mean, James Seamus was Ang Lee's right-hand man and the writer and he wrote Ice Storm, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but then he became like the head honcho at Focus Features. So produced ah. Brokeback Mountain and on and on and on. Um, Lost Caution, the Angley Hulk movie, right the all of Angley's stuff. So yeah. Sense and Sensibility, I mean, just some great, fantastic stuff. Good, good writer. And then just happened to glance at the production designer, which I think is Mark Friedberg, is how you would pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. And look, look at look at this. This is some weird, wild stuff here. It's just mm-hmm. across the board. Um, so In the Soup, right, mm-hmm. does this. Later does the Ice Storm. Okay, that kind of all adds up. Next thing you know, he's doing Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Like that's... Um, oh, wow. I don't know. I feel like if there's the pickiest person of production designer hiring in film would probably be Wes Anderson, I would have to I imagine. I would imagine you know, so, yeah. To a degree. Uh, Broken Flowers, a Jarmusch film. Did the Darjeeling Limited. Synecdoche, New York. Charlie Kaufman's movie. And then recently, Selma and Joker. And if Bill Street could talk, that's just like a wide, wow. extreme range of films and filmmakers there. So uh, maybe we're seeing in In the Soup the launch of a very prominent production designer as well. So pay attention to that. Yeah, That's fantastic. Okay, but here's what I got. So I, not a ton about the production, though I do have some stuff. And uh, I did find some more on Rockwell himself, Alexander Rockwell. And as I mentioned, uh, his grandfather, the only reason I knew his grandfather was from Russia because it popped up on like his bio here. But, uh, you know, significantly enough to what we talk about, he was born in Russia but moved to France and became an experimental sort of animation filmmaker who, along with his wife, Claire Parker, who's an American, said that they sort of invented a style referred to as pin screen animation, which I was not familiar with. Mm. And one of the big credits that they had together was the Orson Welles film, The Trial, which was the adaptation of the Kafka piece. Yeah. And I watched the prologue. You can see it on YouTube. It's really kind of interesting. It almost looks like it's done in charcoal and as if like a page of a book flips up from just being flat on screen and then it flips forward towards the lens, Mm -hmm. kind of towards the camera. And like the characters in the drawings weren't moving, but sometimes you could see like the color palette would change. I don't know how. I mean, this is, you know, uh, many, many decades ago where they were doing this. So it's really kind of interesting. And it said that Alex went and studied filmmaking with his grandparents in Paris when he was a teenager, which can, can you imagine? I mean, that's crazy. What are you going to do this summer? Oh, I'm going to Paris to study filmmaking with my experimental animating grandparents. Right. A completely different world than 99.9% of all people alive. So that's really cool. And I guess this kind of paid off in the sense that uh, he does have a history of working with people in his family. And Jennifer Bills, who I can't remember, forgive me if you said they were married, but they were. Uh, They were married in 1986, which was three years after Flashdance. So Mm -hmm. maybe he was around for that big pop as well. But they divorced 10 years later. And by all accounts, I read multiple places that they remain friends. And now Alexander is married to an actress named Karen Parsons. Does that name ring a bell at all? It does, but I... I cannot place it. Hillary on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, 
Cousin Hillary. <laughs> wow, yes, the yeah. preppy. Yeah, love her. She's been going on strong. I had no idea really, but she's popped up in a bunch of different things. And one of which was the movie that he made recently, Sweet Thing, that came out earlier this year. But not only is she in that, uh, their two children are as well. And they were also in a film that he made called Little Feet in 2013. It's possible... I think In the Soup is black. Well, I know In the Soup is black and white. I think Little Feet is as well. And I believe so. Sweet, Sweet Thing could be too. But anyway, uh, Sweet Thing picked up the Crystal Bear Award at uh, this year's Berlin International Film Festival. Okay. And I did not do my research to know what the Crystal Bear is, but nonetheless, he got an award. It's better than no Crystal Bear. I'll take a Crystal Bear that. any day of the week. That's I'll right. take a gummy bear if you're giving it to me mm, for a movie um, that I made. <laughs> Although Sam Rockwell is in this movie... And we know that Alexander Rockwell likes to work with family. They are not related. No. Sad to report. Yeah. So they shot this movie mostly in April and May of 1991 in New York City in at least one location or scene or shot, um, I think, at an exterior of an apartment in New Jersey. And there's apparently a shot in this movie that they filmed even before production started. And I guess it was snowing one afternoon in New York City, and they just grabbed a camera and ran to the rooftop, and he shot a scene with, with Jennifer Beals, and she said in, a, in an interview in 2018 that he just grabbed the camera and we ran to the roof to shoot. I didn't have anything ready. It was just like, let's go. It's beautiful. It's the feeling of the film. We were just creating this moment. That's what the whole film felt like, which, man, I think that's so cool. And like, that is absolutely like what I want to hear about a 90s indie. It was just like, yeah, we just went out and made it, you know? Yeah. Even in New York, like you could still do that kind of right. thing. So, yes, in uh, most of this is coming from the same interview that she did in 2018, which is at IndieWire, and you can check that out. And the author, whose name, I'm sorry, I did not write down this, very bad journalism mm. on my part, was a moderator of a Q&A that they did at Tribeca, I think. And um, it included Rockwell Beals, Bushimi was there, as well as that cinematographer, Phil Parmet. It mentioned that, you know, in the spirit of just all hands on deck and this like sense of Rockwell working with family and whatnot. It said that like he would just write notes by hand and Jennifer Bills would type it up in the script format. They never knew if they were going to get financing. Apparently they ran out of money at one point and they told Buscemi who quote, he gave back his salary even though he was broke, which is very nice. And my dogs are barking upstairs. (laughs) Hold for sound. So, Buscemi, yeah, this is a really interesting point in his career because he had done a few other things, and one of which was, I think, his first like big studio film, which was Billy Bathgate, which was a Disney production, oh, which wow. I think Dustin Hoffman was in, yeah. maybe Nicole Kidman. But he said, quote, I was on set with not much to do. I loved the people I was working with, but it was frustrating to me as an actor to see how much time it took to set up the shots than to go to from that to this film where I was in almost every scene and working every day. I loved it. That was why I wanted to become an actor. And in fact, in the film, there's because this is about a filmmaker, there's parts, I think, where Bushimi is going to be reading from a screenplay and showing like footage from like a, a movie that he's made, again, as his character in this film. And those are things that he did himself. Like, I think the director just like, no, just go write something, go make something, go shoot some stuff, and we'll use it in the film. And they did. Mm-hmm. But also the big thing for Bushimi was it was a chance to work with Seymour Cassell and, quote, he made it worth it. We put in long days. We just lived it. Rockwell, on the other hand... Um, and there was much made about, you know, I don't think it left like a bad taste in his mouth. And I think at the time of that article, Cassell was 
in the hospital who's suffering from dementia and they mm. talked about like you know sending video message to him and wishing him extremely well but quote he was incredibly annoying at times i'd fight him physically sometimes rockwell said but that was him jeez yeah I would not have guessed i don't want to get in a fight with uh the dead and rushmore you know yeah no kidding okay so yeah this is a black and white film and it was always intended to be but they apparently quote, really wanted a high contrast look with deeply saturated blacks and brilliant whites in the final prints. The only way we could achieve that was by shooting on a fine grain color stock and then printing on black and white stock called Kodak 5369, which was primarily used for making silhouette mats and traveling mats. This particular stock had a high silver content, as we hoped. The result was spectacular. Nice. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. Do you know if people still, we should talk to cinematographers, but I know there were certain, like in the early days of digital, it was like, yeah, you just shoot in color and then you just desaturate it in post, you know. Yeah. Um, are they still doing that? I mean, there's not, I guess there's not a ton of black and white being made, period, but. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, when was it? Well, I guess it's probably 2013 now, but uh, a thing that, that uh, I was putting together with some, some other folks, the whole point of it was to shoot all that on black and white. And there didn't seem to be, I mean, it was definitely rare, but there didn't seem to be sort of a feeling of like, better get some soon or there won't be any. Yeah. So it's it's definitely still done. And we did shoot some stuff and, and you know, that all looked great. But yeah, I mean, yeah, most of it was, uh, most of the suggestions we would get would be, you know, shoot it on, shoot it digital and then just, just color correct it for black and white. Hmm. And, and we didn't want to do it. Lazy. It's lazy. It is, it's lazy. It's lazy. If, if you're not, <laughs> it lets you be a little too relaxed and uh, happy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just, I guess you can change the monitors when you're seeing it on set. And yeah. anyway, uh, we need cinematographers here to get into that. And I don't want to get into it. So no. I'm glad they're not here. Stay yeah, away. Stay. No. Um, <laughs> IMDb also had a blurb about how they shot on black and white for economic reasons. So I, I'm not entirely sure which is the case, but apparently for a while, you could rent a color version of this on video in the United Kingdom, which is kind of fascinating. Right. So I wonder if that's popping around that's anyway. That's interesting. Okay, well, here's maybe why some of you, if you've heard of this movie at all, I think this is it. January 1992, the movie premieres at Sundance. It wins the Grand Jury Prize. You might remember a, another extremely popular indie from this year that was also at Sundance called Reservoir Dogs. Mm -hmm. Great festival for Bashimi, obviously. I mean, whoo. Yeah. But, and this definitely happened more than once in the 90s with uh, big winners at Sundance. Not the best look afterwards. So yeah. the company that released it, and I didn't see who the hell this was. They didn't have a name on the IndieWire article. Went out of business shortly after the release and it said that the print was so badly damaged, the original print, that it would, the movie was just out of circulation entirely for years and years and years. Wow. Box office, 256000 <whistles> Reservoir Dogs made almost $3 million. Yeah. So, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate when that kind of crap happens. I'm, I'm curious to know exactly more about who this company is and why they went out of business and what the situation was. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, you can just imagine what that would do to your confidence as a filmmaker. Um, well, yeah, I mean, what's yeah, exactly. It's so heartbreaking. Like you're going into this with just guns blazing. I mean, you're, you're you've done great. You've won these awards. Like mm -hmm. 
and then yeah just just to watch yeah fate kind of step in yeah and uh i've got some more on that down the line but uh taglines for this movie there's one called a comedy getting (laughs) one tagline a comedy about getting in over your head, mm. which I'm sure uh, just must have been just awful irony after the movie tanked, you know, because of companies and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, one also known as of interest, which is Ugatawani, which is Polish for cooked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they just skipped the soup, just cooked. Sure. Okay. 1992, Craig, you want to guess number one movie globally, box office? Hang on, Sean. Okay. It makes total sense once you know exactly what it is. But, Well, yeah. Uh, you want a hint? Okay, yeah. I'll take a hint. There was a remake of this movie that was certainly in the top 10, uh, I guess, last year. Yeah, last year. 2019. There was a remake? <laughs> last year. Uh, that doesn't help you at all, does it? It doesn't narrow it down. That actually makes it worse. Yeah. Um, but at least it kept me from guessing what I was going to guess. Wow, I have no clue. What, what what's the nineteen ninety two? Uh Aladdin. Oh yeah. Well, right, yeah, I should have guessed that, yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh number two, the bodyguard. Not my bodyguard, the bodyguard. Oh uh, yeah. No. What a monster movie that was, man. It was two, yeah. I had no idea. Well, I remember original movies? I do, yes. Yeah, it's weird. Um but remember sequels like Home Alone Two, <laughs> Lost in Donald Trump's Pants. That yes. was number three. We are we we all are lost in his pants. Basic instinct. Lethal Weapon 3, Batman Returns, A Few Good Men, Sister Act, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Wayne's World. What a top 10. Okay, so you're doing the math at home. That's two Disney films, three Warner Brothers, one Fox, three Sony, one Paramount. And that feels like that has just gone, right? You just don't see that sort of disbursement of uh, box office anymore. No. So... Here is a list of other notable films, and it's a lot, but I'm going to go through them all because it just makes me nostalgically happy, okay? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a month of movies for us to do here as well, Craig, starting with this first one, which is 1492, Conquest of Paradise, right? Yes. So that's a Ridley Scott movie. Yes. But there's another Christopher Columbus film from this year. It's just so crazy for me. We'll, I'll Absolutely. come to that in a second. Okay. So, yeah, 1492, Army of Darkness, Alien 3, Bad Lieutenant, Bebe's Kids, Beethoven, Boomerang, Brain Dead, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Candyman, Captain Ron, Chaplin, Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, which had Tom Selleck and Marlon Brando in it. <laughs> yeah. We might need to do both of those movies. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Consenting Adults, which I feel like I saw that. The Crying oh, yeah. Game, The Cutting Edge, Death Becomes Her, Deep Cover, El Mariachi, Encino Man, Far and Away, Forever Young, Free Jack, Gladiator, Cuba Gooding Jr., Gladiator, not yes. the other one. Yeah. Glengarry, Glenn Ross, of course. The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag, which the fact that those two movies came out in the same year just seems unbelievable. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Hard Boiled, the John Woo movie, Hoffa, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Honeymoon in Vegas, Howard's End, Juice, Ladybugs, Last of the Mohicans, A League of Their Own, like Water for Chocolate, Lorenzo's Oil, Love Potion Number 9, Malcolm X, Man Bites Dog, Man Trouble, which was a Bob Rafelson movie, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, John Carpenter, right? The Mighty Ducks, My Cousin Vinny, Newsies of Mice and Men, One False Move, Passenger 57, Patriot Games, The Player, Poison Ivy, Radio Flyer, Raising Cane, 
A river runs through it. Romper stomper, sin of a woman, shakes the clown, school ties, sidekicks, singles, single white female, sneakers. Stopper, my mom will shoot. Straight talk, strictly ballroom, toys, Twin Peaks firewalk with me, under siege, universal soldier, white man can't jump, Wuthering Heights. Wow. That, there were more. I mean, there was a lot. I'm like, oh my God, that movie? Oh yeah, that movie? Yeah. Man. That's incredible. Uh, interesting stuff there. Indeed. A weird mix of movies that feel like they like if you had said, oh yeah, that was made in 1989, like, okay, that makes sense. And then yeah. <laughs> other ones, I'm like, oh yeah, 1992, sure, that makes sense too. <laughs> yeah. Like Of Mice and Men, I remember seeing that in high school on videotape. So that would have been 94. I would have... I would have been certain that that movie had come out 10 years earlier because I knew nothing. Right. That's but the, anyway. uh, what's his name? Director or uh, no, actors? No, the, the actors. Was it? That is like, John Malkovich, Malkovich and Gary Sinise. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good one. Okay, so I left out a very big movie here. It's not in the top 10 and it wasn't in that list of notables, but it did win Best Picture that year. Do you know which one I'm thinking of? Well, that was the thing I was trying to think of originally. What one... Best Picture, 92. I'll take a stab at it. Okay. But I think I'm wrong. Maybe you should take a shot at it. Is it Unforgiven? Yeah. Nice. Good job. So, yeah, Eastwood picked up Best Director as well. Al Pacino won for Scent of a Woman, Best Actor. Emma Thompson and Howard's in Best Actress. Love that movie. Yeah. Gene Hackman picked up Best Supporting Actor. And the big shock, I think, that year was Marissa Tomei, right? Uh, There's still... Oh, yeah conspiracy theory is that it was not her name or they had the wrong envelope or something right yeah. there right which, which again mean yeah t- talk She's... about gut punches like you won an oscar and a bunch of people think it was a mistake like yeah God damn. she's great i love her she I is don't great care. people can go to hell yeah um best song was a whole new world i just wanted to say that so it gets stuck in your head and the best international film that year was indochine or indochine oh yeah i've never seen that so in the soup yes along with sundance won awards at chicago dubai uh, NYC Films uh, Critics Circle and was also nominated for the Golden Lion at Venice Film Festival. So massively successful festival run. I mean, that's what you want. That's the best you could hope for. Janet Maslin, New York Times said, quote, in his arch furiously clever in the soup, Alexander Rockwell tackles the subject most readily available to any up-and-coming filmmaker, the difficulty of getting a film made. Beyond this, there is nothing pat or ordinary about In the Soup. Mr. Rockwell has transformed his potentially myopic subject into a wild grab bag of offbeat characters and deadpan comic effects, and in the process made a dryly funny film of exceptional visual beauty. Kenneth Duran, L.A. Times, a charming pipsqueak of a movie, playful film of ragged and shaggy appeal. All its virtues are small scale except for one, because inside this little picture is a year's largest, most robust pieces of acting, a performance that no one can resist. Both the improvisation and the black and white are something of a tribute to director John Cassavetes, and it is from seeing him in such Cassavetes' work as Faces and Minnie and Moskowitz that Rockwell got the idea of writing the part of Joe for veteran actor Seymour Cassell. It was one hell of an idea. Never more than a breath away from self-indulgence, Cassell never ever does it, ever, mm. never ever does it, never crosses a line into scenery chewing for its own sake. Last year's Sundance Film Festival gave him its first ever special jury prize for acting and a more deserved award you'll never see. Wow. wow. Yeah. I think he liked the Seymour Cassell performance. I, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. So high praise, high praise indeed. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see this thing. The last little bit I have for you here is 
uh, a bit more on Rockwell because I think, you know, that is the cautionary tale here is that um, you can't rest on your laurels and the laurels you get from a festival, obviously. Right. So he acknowledged in that 2018 interview that the aftermath of all of this just left him completely disillusioned. Jennifer Bills talked about him getting offers from studios and like they would send cookies and all these things. And he just like never found one that he gelled with. There was one she mentioned particularly that was like, no, he just like could not agree with them on, on a casting situation and pass on the movie that became a big hit later, which she didn't say what it was, but, um, you know, God only knows, like, something in this range of 90s here. Yeah. It would be kind of interesting to think about after we see this, like, what else maybe he would have been a good fit for on the studio side. But he said, quote, for a couple of years, I got a little lost. I started not liking making movies. I didn't like trying to raise money. I really meant it when I said I'd rather be a drug dealer or a gangster than Hollywood. Harvey Weinstein, okay. I really had to deal with that guy. They're much scummier. Believe me, it was a terrible moment. He wow. said the excitement of filmmaking drifted away. Quote, the thing I loved, like Adolfo loves, I had to go through this shitstorm to get to it. I don't mind the shitstorm of life, but liars, cheaters, horrible people. I started choosing love. It was really just a weird time. Things got difficult financially. It was tough. So it sucks to hear that. Um, yeah. And it's, I don't get it either. It's like he made four rooms. What was That was like two years after this, right? Or maybe uh, it was after Pulp Fiction, so maybe like three yeah, it was or like four. Yeah, like three, yeah. But uh, I feel like that did okay, and like you feel like okay, well he proved himself in that. Like surely there would be something that would be like the next step up, but I guess not. Um, so he ended up he did some teaching at NYU and said that that really kind of helped click him back into making smaller movies again. And so he made Little Feet, which I think was again 2013, I believe, mm -hmm. and that was a big turning point. He said quote I rediscovered an aspect of In the Soup when I made Little Feet. It's just the joy of making the goddamn thing. It's that goddamn simple. What stops us from doing anything in our lives except for some weird fear of doing something it's hard life's hard i've just decided i'll make films i don't give a shit the money will come nice. good for him yeah i mean he's not famous he's not winning like awards and stuff you know well he's not, not married to but... an a-list celebrity actress <laughs> i think that's probably i think that's what he's gunning for you know what i mean yeah right <laughs> no but i i think it's great i mean it is such a good sort of uh thing to see like somebody get back into it after that because yeah. um especially i think in this era when you think about indie films it's it, there's certainly just like this laundry list of directors that uh, had you know either big careers or at least like sustained successes that they're probably doing completely okay financially yeah um, because of the stuff that they made in this time sure and there's just no reason to think he wouldn't have been poised for the same trajectory based upon the success of, of this film at Sundance, and it just didn't happen, which yeah. um, it maybe had absolutely nothing to do with anything he did himself, which is always like the worst part. Yeah, for sure. But there we go. We have it. Hopefully, um, yeah, we'll see some other great stuff from him. And I'm excited to check this out. Sorry, I bumped my mic there. Um, That's okay. I believe it is streaming right now on Amazon Prime. Craig, anything else you want to add here? Nothing else to add. Just, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing this now. Indeed. Come check it out with us. We'll be back next time to give you all the details of what we thought. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye.